SecondCityHockey.com Jonathan Taves. Commit to us. Commit to the jersey. Commit to our people here. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey, and I've got my usual group with me this evening. First off, it is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi. Nothing makes you feel better than trying to go for a run in 81-degree weather when you haven't run in above 70-degree weather in a year. In a year? Like, did you not in go a year. last year? Oh, summer? no. it's it. It hasn't been, like, above 80 in, like, a year, it feels like. Okay, I, I got what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the pandemic, so it's, everything's multiplied by 10, so it's been 10 years. Um, yeah. I, uh, I I was just, just on a bike ride this evening. It was wonderful, and uh, the bugs are already back, though, because I was eating bugs on the way home. So maybe it's not as much fun as we all thought it was going to be. It was cool for two days before the bug showed up. <laughs> God, it's it's nice that it's warm in April, but, like, can it stop being warm in April? Um. Probably not. Uh, well, I, I, I'm sure it'll probably snow next week. This is the Chicagoland area. So, and it's April. So uh, this is, we're still in smart season. So I wouldn't get your hopes up too much yet. Um, also with us this evening, he is the second city hockey. What Matt Skiba is the alkaline trio, but not blink 182. It is Mil Savage. I can appreciate that. It's way too hot to run. I did yoga indoors with the air conditioning on. <laughs> oh, you're not into bike room yoga. Uh, I do DDP yoga. Oh, nice. so it's like, it's kind of more like it's a little bit more physical, but it's cool. How many diamond cutters are you doing during that? Like a fuck ton, dude. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, uh, that's I, I, I was a, made aware that was a thing like three or four years ago. I'm like, good for DDP. Always, always a big diamond Dallas page, man. He kicks my butt, dude. I, I bet. Well, he, wasn't he like six, eight? Like he's huge. So I wouldn't like, I feel like his yoga takes a little bit more time. It takes him some work to get down to his legs and all that. Well, like it's kind of like not P90X aggressive, but it's like you're doing like push ups and like mountain climbers and stuff between that stretches. That doesn't sound like yoga. <laughs> it's, it's weird. All right. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Cause uh, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be doing yoga anytime soon, but it sounds great. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing it. Thank you. And also with us this evening, and get ready for this, guys. Uh, she is the Boolean Wall of Text of Second City Hockey. It is that's, <laughs> that slash LBR. I like that. Um, if we're talking about like outdoor stuff, I went outside for the first like time since the pollen came in Georgia, and I don't know if you guys know about the pollen in the South, but it's like it's like what snow is to the rest of the country. It's pollen that's here for like 
a month, it's just yellow everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought I was going to die in my mask, but then I was like, I probably would have like sneezed and coughed so much if I didn't have it on. And all I did was walk from my car into a mall and then back out. I actually saw several people on various Twitter accounts mention that like their allergies have not been as bad outside early on because they're wearing masks. Yeah, exactly. And I was, it was really hot, like stuffy, but at the same time I was like, oh my gosh, I probably would have been dying right now because I forgot to pop pop a pill for my allergies. But I mean, I was, I literally walked, there was like so much pollen on the concrete um, going into the mall. There were like steps, like you could see people's feet prints in it. <laughs> I was like, okay, this All is right. Uh, well, if, if nothing else from this podcast, I learned something new this evening, and maybe I sure the majority of our listeners are not within the uh, immediate vicinity of Georgia. So uh, this is all a very educational experience for all of us. Do you guys get any time of the spring where it's like in the 70s, but before like it's unbearably humid? Uh, there's like two weeks, maybe. Oh, okay. We are always we always talk about how we don't have a fall or spring that much, really. Um, spring is like pollen season for like a couple of days, like a couple of weeks. And then it's like super, super hot and gross. And then fall is like two days of the leaves changing colors. And then it's still hot until it gets kind of cold. I don't think I'm going to recommend you for the tourism board of Georgia anytime soon. I actually like Georgia's weather is so gross when it's hot. Like it is sticky. You feel like you're like walking through other people's sweat. Like I don't recommend the summer here. Um, I, when Shepard said something about 80, I was like, 80 is kind of cool. I wouldn't mind it being 80 more often than like, um, during, do you guys know what Dragon Con is? I I can't say I do, but it sounds cool. It's like Comic-Con, but in the South, um, and more older stuff, but there are like 60,000 to 70,000 people that usually converge on three hotels in downtown Atlanta. and the amount it's always humid it's the it's labor day weekend when i say that you are swimming through people's bo you are literally doing that during that time period like i feel like i'm sweating now just listening to you talk about (laughs) it that just that sounds sounds very uncomfortable and is is it like it's like comic books and movies and things of that nature like that's like it's mostly tv shows more than anything else they actually get a pretty good like i've met jason momoa there before he was on game of thrones because he was on stargate atlantis and i worked the the like uh camera crew <laughs> for the stuff because you get free tickets that way but it's the only otherwise the south is like ugh, gr- like gross i'm sure there are other people that like living here but <laughs> you know what i, I, I think that, that'll be another off-season podcast where it would just be uh lbr complains about the south <laughs> yes <laughs> Great. All right. We'll definitely workshop it for the summer. We'll go, we'll come back to it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I guess we could talk about hockey now that we got all the other stuff out of the way. Um, what we're here, yeah, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, we're here Wednesday night. The Blackhawks won last night, 4-2 over the Dallas Stars. Um, kind of a, I, I wouldn't say weird, but I mean, the Hawks were up 3 to nothing. seemed like they were running away with it, and then they weren't, but then they still won, so it wasn't terrible. Um, so the Blackhawks are still right in the middle of the playoff chase with Nashville and Dallas. Um, and, and I guess it feels like nothing's really changed. It's just been kind of stationary where they're, they're still in the playoff race. Nobody's really pulling away. No one really knows. And, and all of this is to say is like, we're, it's kind of hard to find any pressing issues with the team 
that have arisen in the last week that didn't get covered in the last week episode of the podcast. So we're going to try something a little different this evening. The idea is we're going to go, uh, this is entirely ripping off of Scott Van Pelt's sports center. Um, but the idea is just one big thing involving the Blackhawks, just something big that has stood out to each one of us in the last days, weeks, months, or whatever of the season. And uh, we're just going to go around the horn and we're going to throw out some topics and we're going to talk about them and we're going to see where it goes. And uh, thanks to our wonderful pre-production meeting, uh, Betsy has an idea. So we're going to let her go first and we're going to see where it goes from there. So uh, Betsy, have at it. Uh, so my one big thing is, it's really for more for next season, but I guess it can apply to this season too. But Adam Boquist has made such a great um, progress with his development this season, I think since coming back from his COVID. And I think everybody who watches and looks at his stats see that and the key I think for the future for the Hawks is finding the right defenseman for him because they keep playing him with like Keith and I think both Ian Mitchell and Boquist kind of suffer when they're with Keith a little bit I think they're too stylistically like similar and they don't balance correctly um and the most ideal partner on the team is, is Murphy, but they're both, you know, right-handed. And yes, Murphy has played LD before, and I think Boquist probably could as well. So there's versatility there, but they either need to hope someone in the system can come up and be with Boquist by next year, or at least the year after that, or they need to try to find someone because I don't think – they don't, I don't think they have the ideal left-handed defenseman for him currently. I don't think it's, I know on paper they try, they were trying to do Zadarov before, and I don't think Dehan is working out quite as well either. So that's the one big thing I think that they need to be striving for in the future. So I, I guess my, my follow-up for that would be to explain why you want Adam Boquist to stay on his left side and not play on the right side ever. No, I want him to stay on, on the right side, not play yeah. on the left, because he's a right-handed shot, right? Yeah, I just he, Correct. okay. <laughs> yeah, yes, um, I was like, is this a trick question? What do you? Ask? I don't think so. <laughs> um, he he's going to perform better on that side. There are certain players that have always liked to play on their offside, and I know that um, like Jamerson is a perfect example of that. But I think he just got used to it more than it was necessarily ideal. And mm-hmm. when you have a defenseman that you want to be like, you hope that Boquist becomes your number one. So I wouldn't tempt fate by like trying to get him to play the opposite side that he normally plays on. So just let him stay the course and work around him, not the other way around. But I feel the same way about, I felt the same way about Murphy every time they switched him, even though he was fine on his offhand, I still was always like, but he's too important to like even take away a little bit just because he's playing the wrong side. Mm-hmm. And and I think in Boko's case, like the one move that it seems like he's getting much, much better at is if he gets the puck just in the offensive zone, just inside the blue line near the boards, if he's on the right side, because he's a right-handed shot, if he backskates towards the middle, the puck is on his forehand, which is where you want it to be. Cause that's the most dangerous position you can be in as mm-hmm. a defenseman. If he's on the left side of the ice, it's completely backwards. And then it's not, it, it seems like maybe it's not quite as uh, ideal of a setup. I guess. Yes. And Boquist actually has a really good backhand. I think that's part of the reason why Jam, uh, Jammer was so good at it um, is because they're, they were better with their, they were just as good with their backhand, but I just don't think you should tempt fate that way. 
I think you should let him play his strong side um, and get very good at it before you try to do anything else. So I don't know who that could be because the other like physically bigger guys that they have in the pipeline, Vlasic or uh, Bergula or whoever, they're not, I don't know. They, both of them are Arties too. So. Yeah. And I'm going down the list of lefties on the Blackhawks active roster right now. And, the aforementioned Zadorov, who I we don't even know if he's going to be on the team in two to three years at this rate. Um, in a year, <laughs> let alone two or three. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd like to take the under, but fingers uh, crossed. That's 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 a that's a summer episode. Uh, but I mean, but Nicholas Bodan's left-handed, but he probably to a much of an overlap. You're looking for a stay-at-home yeah. left-handed defenseman, and the the left-handed guys are Bodan, Carlson, Dahan, Kalanuk, and Keith. And I don't. I, I think Dahan is probably the only one in that prototype and he's another guy who might not be here next season. Um, yeah. Mike Hellenuk is, has been an interesting guy and something we can talk about down the road, but uh, he doesn't may, maybe not fit it up fitting as a skill match with Boquist, but I thought he's actually kind of impressive other, considering it's his first uh, real stint in the NHL, but Mill Shepard, do you guys have any response to uh, what Betsy said about Boquist being on the right side? Hi, it me, the devil on the shoulder. Um, I know, I know we've compared Adam Boquist to Shea Theodore in the past and guess who plays on his offhand and seems to play better on his offhand. Exactly. See, uh, so it doesn't ruin and it does not ruin the development model apparently to put them on their offhand, especially when you're going to play Boquist with a defenseman much better than Derek England and much and similar to Alec Martinez. Didn't, didn't Theodore play not like on his, didn't he play on his, like the side that he was his dominant side all through the AHL. And it was only when he got to the NHL though, that he started playing his offside. It might've started under Gallant, but he, again, he seems to be, he seems to be doing better on it yeah, than he well, was. I, I actually don't mind. Like I just, I, in their like, like little development year that he's in now, maybe when he hits like 2022, 20, like when Theodore impacted the NHL, then yeah. you can switch him. Cause I think the same thing happened to Jarmerson. It was like, he got the basics down on his dominant side and then they switched him and it worked fine. Cause he was, he had the basics already. Right. So maybe the long-term solution is Murphy because Murphy is still pretty young. And Could be. because I, again, like you, like you said, I think those two are maybe perfect for each other. And there's no, unless the Blackhawks draft, uh, a defenseman in like the middle of the first round this season. Um, Cause they're not, it doesn't look like they're going to get any higher than that. Um, and that he turns out to be a miracle worker. It seems like there's not a, a, a miracle solution on this blue line. Yeah. It'd have to be a trade situation if they were really trying to hit around the same age. And I think that's the tricky part of the whole thing because um there are probably 31 teams in the NHL that would like another high quality stay at home defenseman. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a uh, low, low supply, high demand position. So um, it's, I, I agree completely. And it, it'll definitely, it'll be something to watch in the next few seasons, especially I think the next season, because I imagine uh, there's going to be some shuffling of the deck on the blue line of who's stale here, who goes, who's in the AHL. I think that's actually one. Now that we're on this topic a little bit, like, this offseason should be fascinating with the the way the blue line shapes out because they've got like 10 to 12 guys that have been on the ice at various points throughout the season. So I like, you can only carry so many. And, and when we fingers crossed, get back to a quote, normal 82 game season next year, 
Um, there, there may not be a taxi squad, so that'll change things up. So, um, I have no idea what that's going to look like. I was just, as I'm talking, I'm kind of realizing like, oh, that's going to be, that's going to be a thing to watch for sure. Yep. Well, uh, I think that's a good real start. quick. Oh, go ahead, Mel. Um, you know, it's too bad we don't have a season to focus on the young guys where they could experiment with guys playing on their <laughs> off lane. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. Okay. No. Do you know, do you know, I, I completely forgot about him and it's so stupid that I didn't, but the maybe the best prospect that could be a partner in the near future is uh, Wyatt Kaiser. Oh yeah, the, uh, but there's 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 I, it feels like there's too much similarity there because Kaiser isn't Kaiser offensively oriented too. No, he's a stay at home guy. He just broke out somewhat offensively this year. That has never been like his calling necessarily. He um, he has he's very good at skating and he has scored at every level. But his whole thing is I want to like his positioning is really good. Um, and he PKs and he plays the toughest minutes and he always has. So other than the fact that they both skate extremely well, um, and he's a great passer, I don't think they're that similar, like so much similar. I think he would be closer to a Seabrook Mm. in the fact that he could pass, but he can also be a defender. He's also like, not he's like decently sized he's not huge but he's decently sized six foot 172 according to elite prospects i think he'll he'll get bigger but it just depends on how long he'll stay at college he also just played 59 minutes in a hockey game uh a week or two ago uh the game went five overtimes but uh but yeah he played 59 minutes so some duncan keith type stuff Hmm. all right well i think we've we've handled that topic so we're gonna move on to mill and ask uh, what his one big thing is Blackhawk style. Um, well, like as much as I want the young guys to play more, cause that's what they told us that was going to happen. I actually really like the forward group right now. Um, like obviously guys like Janmark and Soderberg are probably not long-term, but I'm just talking about like Suter, Kurashev, the becoming a star. Strom showing uh, some, some strides doc. Henestroza's uh, fast. Hagel's fast. So, I like that a lot going forward, but I'm kind of thinking, I know they want to make the playoffs, but you could really flip some guys now, especially on the back end to look forward for next year, because some of the guys they already have are going to be playing. But I like, I know Soderbergh and Janmark are the guys we've been talking about, but I would even look at flipping Dehan or Zadorov if you can get anything. Yeah. Well, I don't, the idea of trading Zadorov is enticing probably to us, but I, I don't think the Blackhawks have any interest in trading him. I am assuming he'll be on the roster next year because it seems like the Blackhawks are in love with him. So um, Yeah, but he sucks. Well do you know what fan group is in love <laughs> with him a little bit? Toronto. What's that? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. They uh, for some reason their fans like him. I was like if you go into like the um cat friendlies armchair GM stuff. They trade for him all the time, and I'm like, oh, okay. And they need somebody on the back end. Oh, let's do it. I am. Uh, someone call Kyle Dubas right now. I am here for it. Look, like, here's the thing, too. I'm not going to talk about a lot about Colleton because we've already done that show like ten times. <laughs> but when you have a guy like Zadorov, he can be serviceable in the right situation, I guess. But this guy just threw an elbow the other day. And then instead of stapling him to the bench, like you do, 
Halton didn't have the stones and he was out on the next shift after he got out of the box. Like you can't, you can't do that. You know what I mean? And it's, it's frustrating because he keeps leaving his assignments to chase hits and nobody cares. Yeah. I think that was the scouting report from the Colorado people too, was that like, he will chase hits no matter what. Uh huh. Yeah. Chase he went, he, he'll make the hit. Uh, he'll be 10 feet out of 10, 20 feet out of position when he does. He went behind right. the net in game seven of the conference final in overtime. And his man was the guy who scored the goal to eliminate the abs from going to the final. But, but he's he's literally, you know, it's like the guy needs, you know, a coach who's going to tell him where he's going to be. And I'm just like, I can't deal with this anymore. Uh, Dayhan, I like, he's just, like, you know, it is what it is. I, I I think he's just kind of like just good enough to get traded. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only maybe problem not, is maybe not like a franchise a, cornerstone, but uh, he's the only problem with him is he's made out of glass. <laughs> he's doing pretty good this year, at least. Yeah, like, he is. Not getting yeah. hurt. <laughs> totally. And I'm, I'm not going to like, I'm not making fun of a guy who gets hurt a lot. Like that sucks. And I yeah. feel for, for that, but cause I know how that goes, but it's like, um, that's the only thing is like some teams might shy away from that. Yeah. And, but I, I do want to go back to the thing you said about the Fords, because every time I look at the Ford group, like it's, and, and we, we play the hypothetical of whether or not Taze is going to be back. And I'm trying to stay on the optimistic side that he will be next season. Fingers crossed as well for that. But you put Taze into that lineup, like down the middle, you could go Doc Taves, Strom, or maybe Doc Taves, Kurashev, what have you. And then, on the wings, you've got Kane and Debrinket, and I mean maybe Suter's on a wing, or maybe Suter's in the middle and Kuvershev's Kubalik's out there. Like that's a pretty good top nine. Well, even if looking like look at some checking line stuff too. It's like Hagel, Venestroza, Camp, Carpenter. Like they have good forwards. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think the cupboard is bare on the offensive side of the lineup by any means. Like, and that's why when whenever we talk about the level of talent the Blackhawks have, like because some of these young guys have taken steps forward and, and even like Debrinket, I guess was still a young guy, although he is in his fifth year. So he's kind of a veteran at the same time, but he's taken a massive leap ahead this season. Oh, yeah. So it's like you go down, you start with the Hawks top line right now of doc Debrinket and Kane, and you can put that up against most top lines in the NHL. Yeah. And something, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was done. No, I was going to say something too. Like, I think because we always complain about possession, but if the Hawks had the puck more, you would see some of these guys doing stuff more regularly. Yeah. Again, I think you're right. It's it's a. I think it's. I don't think this is a construction problem for the Blackhawks. I think it's a system problem. Mm. You think? I know we don't want to. I know we don't want to, don't want to talk about Colleton. Yeah. Yeah. People like to rag on Bowman, and he's made some like really questionable. Trades, obviously, but um, <laughs> but for the most part, I, this team looks like a good group to go forward with, or at least be the basis of going forward with. But mm-hmm. yeah, like this team isn't going to win a cup, and I'm I don't yeah I don't know if they're going to win a cup in two or three years, but like if guys keep taking steps forward and, and draft picks work out and prospects develop and all that, like I can see how this team gets pretty good in the, in the short term here. And it starts with the fact that they might have a a true number one goaltender, which we didn't know that they were going to have that three months ago. So. Yeah. I was going to say, we just have to wait to see if that's like a weird goalie situation. Yeah. We have to see if if that is more than a flash in the pan. If it's a Carter Hart or Corey Crawford. 
Or Jordan Bennington. Yeah. Well, and that, that was something in my notes, too. They could probably add a backup veteran just to have around. Not Cam Ward. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> not a guy who's retired already and shouldn't be in the league anymore. So not Marty Sorry, Turco, Cam is that Ward. what you're saying? Yeah, I was going to say, not Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Hopefully he's okay, honestly. Um, he just did a bunch what? of like, um, stuff saying he was feeling great. For what yeah. it's worth, Saad has 12 goals and nine assists, and his Corsi four percentage is 57.7. I, I, I don't want to hear. I'm just too upset. I don't want to hear about yeah. it. You know what? No, Actually, I take good. that back. He's a rest- he's an unrestricted free agent, I believe, in the offseason. So <laughs> he could always yeah. come back. God knows if you're a former Blackhawk, you can always come home. Yeah. Which actually and might get, come up when we get to Shepard in a little bit here. Um, the other thing about this, the way that the roster is constructed, is a lot of the talent is homegrown and then again you add in the fact that lucas reichel is fucking tearing up oh yeah yeah or the del this season and it like further homegrown yeah and that he might play next year yeah exactly very much might and and the fact that it's homegrown talent means it's probably on low if not an entry-level contract a very low bridge contract so it's more affordable so that balances out the massive cap hits for taves and kane and that then then they might have some money to play with in a year or two and they can go add a few other pieces. Cause if you remember when the Blackhawks did this last time, they didn't win a cup until, I mean, when they won a cup the years after they signed Brian Campbell in free agency and then Marion Hose in free agency. And neither one of those players were cheap. In fact, one team in the NHL is still paying one of those players. So um, yeah. So uh, I think, we've got everything recap from mills point. So Shepard, I know you were uh, kind of uh, not sure what you were going to land on with. So I have a thought that I wanted to uh, throw out to the panel to see what you guys think about this, because, um, and this might go back a little bit to the to criticisms of coaching we've had before, but um, before Tuesday night's game, like I think Tuesday night's game was the first collective performance that I was, that I've been happy with in a while. So my thought with the Hawks this season is it seems like we're seeing a good amount of individual progress between uh, Debrinkit, Boquist, Lankanen, Kubalik. I mean, insert guy here. There's a ton of guys who are, are playing much better now than they were uh, at the start of the season. The concern I have is I'm not sure how well the team is getting or how much better the team has gotten. And I think this kind of is indicative of the, the possession numbers we're seeing the penalty kill being bad, the power play is regressing. There's like, you have all these good pieces. I just don't know how well they're working together. And before the game against Dallas, like every time they had a game that seemed quote important, they would lose it. So I guess the win against Dallas is a step in the right direction. And I guess I'm waiting to see how the next month goes out before I come to a definitive conclusion with this thought. But at the moment, I don't know how much better this team is getting. And that's a little bit of a concern to me. I mean, I think yeah, we but, all agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's, I feel like I might be silence of agreement right there. Bit, but, sorry, say that again, Betsy? I was saying that was like the silence of agreement. Like, you can't, <laughs> can't add anything else to that. I yeah. think we all just communicated telepathically on accident. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, I didn't. I guess I need to work on my hot takes then, so I can get something that you guys all yell at me for. Um, well, it's not a hot take to us. Like, yeah, we, we have this talk every week. 
That's true. <laughs> we we do. Uh, this does come up in Slack very often. Like, oh, the Hawks are winning two to nothing. Oh, they're getting outshot thirty to ten. Oh shit. Um, they're the one game where they they got outshot two to one and won two to one was the funniest game of the season to me. That happened within the last two or three weeks. I can't remember which game it was, but um, so yeah, I, I and I, I think again we Carolina. We talk about yeah, exactly the Carolina game. That was the one. But uh, I would just I want to see better five on five play. We saw it against Dallas Tuesday night. So I hope we can get to see it a little bit more over the next month, especially with some of the games they have coming up in the next week and a half that we're going to talk about later. Because if there was ever a time for some get right games, this is going to be it. Um, since everybody agreed with me, we'll go to Shepard. Uh, did you have any other thoughts that you wanted to add to this uh, one big thing discussion? Whitney Hunter shows a return on Tuesday night to the Blackhawks lineup for the first time in what? It's been two years? Something uh, like that. And played with a new, a reunited Philip Kurashev and Dominique Kubelik. And those two, especially with Dylan Strom this season, have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like one of the reasons I think maybe the Blackhawks are struggling on 5-5 five five is that like one of their best lines is not together. And they have a 60.07 expected goal share uh, at five on five and a 61.9% high danger share uh, as the, as the trio of Kubelik, Strom and Kurashev. And yeah, they played really well with Henestrosa, uh, including a 62.5% shot share and 65.22% expected goal share. But all this is to say, like put, put Kurashev and Kubelik who are like, it, it's always seemed like they're meant for each other and with, with Kurashev's speed and like Kubelik's ability this season, especially to do like everything offensively, um, that these two are supposed to be, be together and they consistently are not together. And I, good things happen when you put your best players with your best players. I, <laughs> I, I agree with that. Um, I like, this was, this was something that came up in our comment section the other night was, or after the game Tuesday was that, uh, the Kurashev, Kubelik, and Hinestroza line got 8.24 of ice time at five on five. Uh, Doc Debrinkin and King got 12.55. Of course, they're going to get the most. They're the best. The line that got the second most was Camp, Hagel, and Carpenter. Yeah. While I like that line, that is a fourth line. Yeah, but they're in the defensive zone so much. It's like. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you, you got me there. The Hawks are always on defense. But it's just. I. Well, although that line did start in the offensive zone, the camp line, 71% of the time. <laughs> but Doc's line was in offense. Holy totally. crap. That don't make any fucking sense. To me. I, love, right. I love we all just started laughing. <laughs> oh, that doesn't even deserve a holy shit. That's just a straight holy crap. Yeah, the, the, the fourth line in that game was Dylan Strom, Pia Suter, and Neptunis Janmark with the yeah, 32. I didn't even, I didn't even look up percentage. the stuff after that. So I wasn't, that was like a shocker just then. Oh my God. What why? is going on here? All right, now I'm upset. Way to go! <laughs> oh god, yeah. this is this it's it's deployment. Like I even like I think the line construction for the last game is good, but now it's just it does it does seem like it's being used properly. Why is David Camp's line getting the second most ice time? Like I I don't understand that. I it's again it's the obsession, especially with uh, Jeremy Colleton with David Camp. That makes no sense because he's he's never going to score more than like 15 points. He doesn't have a goal this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, zero. Yeah, yeah that's I like his, his defensive zone starts are like seventy percent. Sorry, at five on five. Uh, his, uh, you mean his offensive zone percentage? 
No, his defensive zone starts are like 70% five on five. That doesn't even count the penalty kill. Yeah, but like Kruger had the numbers and he at least scored like a goal. Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kruger was. He's just, he's snake bitten, but also he's been taking a ton of penalties. He's been playing like board battles and stuff. It's not snake bitten when you always shoot directly into the goalie. He, he played with yeah, the maybe and can't for a while. You should be able to accidentally have a puck bounce off your ass and into the net. The only time he scored last year was when the goalie was completely out of the net. Every single one of them, if you go and, back and watch it, was the goalie was like, there was like three feet of the net at least open for him. <laughs> okay. And this is, I, I like Camp a lot because I like Kruger. I do too. I just don't want him. He should, be, he should not be playing line. second line minutes. He should be playing fourth line minutes. He's a fourth line center. He's a good four C. He is not a two C. He's not a three C. Uh, see what you did, Shepard? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about his throw side. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you brought this around, Dave. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? I'm going to do something that Jeremy Kyleson never does. I'm going to call a timeout real quick. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> we're going to regroup, and we're going to come back on the other side of this time. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as we kind of assembled into a train wreck at the end there, um, but we did want to touch on some other Blackhawks things that happened uh, over the last week real fast before we get on to some other things. Uh, first off, the big news on Wednesday is that the Blackhawks have bought the Rockford Ice Hogs from the city of Rockford at a purchase price of $11.8 million, which I guess is good cash if you can get it. Um, the Blackhawks are going to toss in some money to renovate that stadium. And now there's a 15 year lease at the BMO Harris bank center for the Hawks or for the hogs, excuse me, that will leave the uh, AHL playing there until 2036. So uh, if you guys were uh, hedging your bets about getting any Rockford ice, uh, ice hogs season tickets, there you go. I'm sure um, Shepard's probably the one closest to Rockford out of all the four of us. So uh, Shepard, you're going to be the Rockford correspondent now, right? Uh, if you want me to, yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, start driving to Rockford every night. <laughs> got it. When, it, uh, when, when it's safe. When, yeah, when when it's safe. yeah I, I, we did that. We actually got the Ice Hogs granted us press credentials to cover their playoff run two or three years ago with when Colleton was the coach and Delia was in net. And it's kind of fun. Like it's, it's a definitely, it's not, you know, it's, it's a different atmosphere than Blackhawks game. You go in expecting something different, but it's, you know, it's a decent show. And um, sitting in the press box was kind of cool. And I sat next to Chris Bowden at the game and he couldn't have been nicer. So, so there's that. Yeah. So. I would get thrown out. <laughs> What's well, probably cheaper. Game, why, what would you do to get thrown out of an AHL game? Dude, I don't even want to go there. Okay. <laughs> I would probably start like yelling at the coach that I have to interview when the game's done. I don't, well, I don't think you can yell at the coach from the press box, Mel. They, they, that would, I, they will not hear you. Yeah. Um, they um, won't hear you, but they will throw you. No, up. but the people in the press box will hear you. Dave, oh, you, 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 you cover sports in the region. You've seen crazy stuff go down. <laughs> All right. So, so I guess <laughs> Mel will not be getting the press credentials from second city. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Um, also uh, today at practice, Mike Hardman, who signed from Boston College uh, and signed with the Hawks as an undrafted free agent, he took the ice today. And uh, also he revealed that he was a Boston Bruins fan growing up, and he cried after the Hawks beat the Bruins in 2013, which I just found hilarious. Uh-huh. He drove from Boston to Chicago. It was good for him. 
Oh, he, oh, he did that Oof. too. I know Henestrosa did the drive from Florida to Chicago, which does not sound fun. I, I did, oh. I did Chicago, uh, Chicago area to North Carolina, and that wasn't pleasant. So Florida sounds worse. Props to those guys. Didn't we Oof. talk about this last week? I think so. Yeah, maybe right. privately. Oh, I think we did it in the comments, like in our Slack. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, because uh, Betsy, you said you've driven Chicago to Georgia, and that doesn't sound fun. Yeah. So, and add like five, six hours on top of that, however long it takes to get from Georgia to Tampa. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Also, you have to drive through Georgia to do it. <laughs> Dude, driving through Atlanta traffic is nuts. I did that on the way to Florida. Yeah, it's not. If, once you get inside the perimeter here, you're just in there for hours. Zero out of 10 would not recommend. All right. So, so. This podcast is all about how I dislike the South and where I. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But but you do like grits. We have established that. So. I love Southern food. Yeah, <laughs> you like so. Else. Grits so. the food, not grit the thing. So when you right. move to the North and you open Betsy's Southern Hospitality or Southern Comfort Kitchen or something like that, let us let me know. I'll, I'll come stop by. I'll try the grits. You finally have grits. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Um, well, that answers my question. <laughs> Uh, well we're we're almost on the topic of food taste before we do that we wanted to get to some questions that came in from the sch commentariat which i don't think is a word but it is now uh bmac one of our most frequent frequent commenters slash questioners uh asked if we had one ideal i guess ideal or and or reasonable trade for the hawks to make between now and monday's deadline what would it be we did talk about the trade deadline a little bit uh, and if we do one, I, I, we talked that there's not going to be, probably won't be much to talk about, but, um, I guess for, for everyone, if you had an ideal Hawks trade between now and the deadline, and we'll have to recap at next week's podcast, uh, what would that trade be? Matias Janmark for a second round pick. And that's a little bit high. That's probably a little bit high, but yeah, like, if, you get a, if you get a second round pick for Matias Janmark, I mean, sign it and run away before they can change their mind. Um, it feels like it feels like yeah. It feels like teams are like not liking this draft, especially past like the first round. Yeah, I'm with Shepard on that. Like, I don't want them to not uh, trade him and then sign him or let him walk because like if they let him walk, they're not going to get anything. It's not the worst, but I don't want them to sign him to like four years, five three or something crazy like that. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're hey. Uh, the the only thing I would add because Shepard, because of what you said about the. Um, about the draft maybe not being the most well-stocked draft this year. I, so it's not, I, I don't, so as a person who kind of follows the draft, it's not about it not being well-stocked. It's about like teams not being able to scout it. Oh, oh, good point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess with that in mind, I think this might be a year. I think I would rather have prospects than picks. Yeah. I, I'd rather get a guy that's closer to the NHL because I don't, if you start like piecing together like what a Blackhawks future roster is going to look like, the spots are kind of filling up. I don't know if you get a guy that's another guy that's a two or three year project. By the time those two or three years are up, are up, and he's ready to come to the NHL, there may not be a spot for him. Can I play devil's advocate? Sort sure. of. If you get a like twenty twenty three second round pick, and then you need to make a trade package because you're in the playoffs and you're going to make the playoffs, but you want to make a push, that might be like a good pick to have like a future. So future draft picks. All right. Yeah. Like just cause you know, they'll either get to draft or they could put together a trade package if they're in a position to do so. 
for yeah. like a, a rental or something. Yeah, because the Shepherd's Point, I mean, they some of the CHL leagues haven't even played. Like I, the OHL, I don't think it started yet. Mm, uh, yeah, I think it's the W. I think it's the OHL. Yeah, yeah, because that's where uh, Isaac Phillips is supposed to go. Yeah, I don't know where the yeah, and those so a lot of those guys are playing in the AHL with like a special exemption for the season because usually they're not allowed to play in the AHL. I don't know if the Q is playing. I believe the Q is playing because I've because I've covered oh. Vegas prospects, and I think w, the WHL is. I think I've seen WHL tweets and such on the timeline. But yeah, I'm convinced the Q plays 12 months a year, no matter what, and the way people <laughs> talk about those guys. Well, I, they they like their hockey in Canada, Mill. That's that's that is one thing I am confident in saying. Um, all right, and actually, there's another question here at the bottom that I'm just going to send this to Mill because Mill is the Jersey connoisseur of this podcast any help in trying to decide between a reverse retro 12 or a white 27 okay so here's the thing i'm planning on getting a reverse retro 27 so i do recommend switching the jerseys around but here's why the brinkets weren't an a a lot this year because they're alternating captains but in a the jersey's cut where you're not going to wear it with pads the a sits way too awkwardly on the reverse retro next to the crest so I would avoid getting a player with a front letter on the reverse retro because it's going to look all jacked up on a fan jersey. My follow-up question goes to Shepard and Betsy. Do either one of you care at all about that level of jersey intricacies? Yes. No. <laughs> okay. I just – because I, I appreciate how much thought Mill puts into these questions sometimes. And sometimes it, like, it baffles my mind. I, these are things that I would never even consider, like the way the A sits on the jersey when it's not cut for guys wearing shoulder pads. I would have never considered that in a million years. So well, I just enjoy to, it. To be fair, because I have a lot of jerseys where they have Stanley Cup final patches or like random patches that teams wear. And if it's not like positioned right with the crest, it's, it's just uncomfortable. Okay. It's, I, I don't like the reverse retro because the logo. I don't like the reverse retro in, in general. Just well, I shouldn't say it's 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 fine. I would grade it a C, two point five out of five. It's just it's okay. I need to like look at it again because where does the the one jersey that I have that um makes me feel like a Care Bear is uh the one that they had in the Winter Classic. I think it was the Winter. Yeah, Classic. the the black one. Yeah, with the cream in the middle, and it's really cool looking on the players, but it sits like on your tummy <laughs> a little bit. And you're like, I feel like a Care Bear just a tiny bit. Also, it's a little <laughs> big on me. That might be Is this like the one they wore in Notre Dame stadium last year? No, I think she's talking about the 2009 one. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So, so like, like, yeah, there's two, there's two versions of that. Yeah. That color, that, that color, I best describe it as like, if somebody spilled a Coke on a white Jersey, that's that exactly <laughs> what that color. Looks I think like. the, the Pantone for that's vintage white. I think they call it. Yeah, it looks cream. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's like the same thing. They just they have weird names because they have to match the socks yeah. and the pants. And that all makes that. sense. I just when you try to sit in it, it's not. It like folds weird. Um, so so like there's two different versions of that, and I'll I'll just be quick with this because I know nobody cares. But the Winter Classic <laughs> no, version please, please is no. it. So like the Winter Classic versions, they the ones they sold to fans, they they only made them in Canada, and they're like real air knit mesh they have black laces and no shoulder patches and it doesn't sit as awkward on that. Cause it's like a real, it feels like an old school Jersey, but the, the one they wore is an alternate where it has like shoulder patches and laces. It, it does sit weird. I have a John Merson, one of that. So the back and the front sit weird on me. Oh, So I might have that one. 
It was a gift and it was originally somebody else's jersey. Like they got it themselves and then they were like, do you want it instead? So I was like, yes, I do. I will appreciate <laughs> free things. <laughs> there you go. It was my second Hawks jersey ever. Um, and it was a Seabrook jersey. Okay. I was going to ask. Oh, that's awesome. He, in that game, he just destroyed Dan Cleary. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Ah, good times. Good call on that. I also, I'll just end Black up with this. I also, Cleary, by the way. I like buying jerseys of guys based on like if it was a specific game, like they had a good performance. Yeah. Because it's cool. memorable and it's fun. I, so that's a, that's another podcast for the summer. We're just gonna have we'll have Betsy talk about what she hates about the South, <laughs> and we're gonna have Mill talk about jerseys. I wanna do like an MTV cribs in my closet. <laughs> I mean, we do have video capabilities, Mill. We can we can we can look into this. Um all right, so but real quickly before we get to the food take, uh quick look ahead to the schedule for what the Blackhawks have coming up over the course of the next week and a half. Um, they got another rematch with Dallas coming up on Thursday night, so uh, hopefully they win that. But the, the reason I wanted to look ahead quickly, you have after the Dallas game, you have two in Columbus and two in Detroit. If there was ever a time for the Blackhawks to get things right, play well five-on-five, five, maybe turn the PK around, turn the power play around, and just look like an overall better hockey team and beat the shit out of some inferior opponents, that's it those four games and you get, I think you got to get at least six points from those four games, if not all eight. And then you go into the terrifying end of the schedule of three against Nashville, one against Tampa, two against Florida, three against Carolina and two against Dallas. So, uh, so, so good time to get right guys. Yep. Any, any other burning thoughts about the schedule the next week and a half? Looking forward to the podcast next Wednesday when we'll be talking about how much we hate everything after they lose in overtime to Columbus. And don't lose to Detroit. Don't lose to Columbus. <laughs> yeah, that too. Don't lose yeah. to any of these teams. They're don't yeah. lose ever. anymore. <laughs> don't lose no, ever. No <laughs> reason they should have lost all those games to Nashville. I'm still yeah. I'm still hurting from the one they lost to Carolina with uh, Jesper Foscorn in the last 30 seconds off to just a weird bounce and he got the puck and the whole game was weird bounces. Yeah. It was like, and it's Carolina. They're, they're going to lose. If they won one of them, they, they, that's good enough. Look, if you're going to be bad, just be fun, bad and lose nine to eight. <laughs> like give me something be, to be watch. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Be Pittsburgh or, or yeah. any team in the North or Philadelphia. Or, oh. No, no, the Rangers. Do not right be now Philadelphia. Is... I have. There's too many Flyer fans on my Twitter timeline. Do not be Philadelphia because they, they're they are ready to burn that team to the ground in Philadelphia right now. Which isn't. <laughs> give me Travis Konecki. Give me, give me him. Give me, give me both Travises from Philadelphia. Good. That's no fine. Raffle yeah. copter. <laughs> no, thank you. All right. All right. Well, uh, I think that's all the hockey things we can t- need to discuss this evening. So I think it is. Food take discussion time and Shepherd Price. It is your turn, so you have the floor. Uh, malts are better than milk than milkshakes, and across the board, like the best the best fast food milkshake, like quote unquote, is a fr- is, is a frosty. That's a malt, and okay, like yeah, like because I, I was like, legitimately trying to think if I've ever had a malt. I'm just I'm not yeah. a big. I'm not really big on milkshakes myself. So, uh, I mean, I've had it's a, it's a, go ahead. It's a milkshake with melted milk in it, which makes it yeah. like, it's a, it's a different texture. Uh, like a <laughs> kind of grittier kind of texture, but it's better. It tastes a lot better. Grit. I'll tell you yeah. that alcohol goes really well in malts. 
So I, on, I bat, on that yeah, alone. <laughs> yeah, like a chocolate malt with like rum. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. There's a yes. bar in Nashville that does a really good chocolate malt with two different types of alcohol in it, but I can't remember. They call it like a mudslide or something. I can't. Is it Kahlua? It might be Kahlua, but, and then something else. Um, Drake Kahlua. Delicious. <laughs> the only bar I go to ever, uh, that my friend took me to the last time. And every time I'm like, take it back, take me there again. And I never remember what it's fucking called. What I'm, is it? I'm still, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like other, like if, uh, if a frosty at Wendy's is considered a malt, I've had those, but I'm trying to think if I've had a malt anywhere else. And I really don't think so. You had milk chocolate malt balls. Yeah, those are gross. Really? <laughs> I've been on a I've been on a malt ball kick. Are That's those what wh- they, are whoppers, that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoppers. I mean, small. whoppers are like the whoppers are like the worst quality of them. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's unfair to the brand. I think like yeah. it depends where you get a milkshake from because like if you get like, I mean, I'm all side with you on this, but if you get like a like a frosty versus getting like a really good milkshake somewhere, it's not better than it. no you know what i mean but like but i feel like the the malt version of that really good milkshake would be better than the milkshake version of that really yeah good yeah milkshake. i'm cool with that i'm cool with yeah. that i like i've uh, all i can think of is for milkshakes is like when's the last time i went to steak and shake which i think is uh the place i went to between the ages of 18 and 21 when we didn't want to go home but we couldn't get into the bars so we went to stay every, and every I, time the hawks <laughs> win that I'm at a game, I get off on 30 and I go, me and my brother, we get a, a victory milkshake from Steak and Shake every time they win. If they lose, we go home and have a beer. Yeah, I was going to say, I just had, I just had a mint Oreo one like mm. yesterday. Ooh. <laughs> mm. I mean, I'm pretty sure Dairy Queen's still open. So I like, I, I might share <laughs> this right now. <laughs> oh, Dairy Queen it absolutely should be open because it's again, it's 81 degrees outside. I've been going to Dairy Queen too much the last couple of weeks, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, like, I, I don't have, uh, I don't have any, I think what we need to do is just, uh, I need to make a mental note of this conversation. I need to experience, get some malt in my life and get some more milkshakes in my life and then uh, report back in at some point. So, so I guess, I guess I have to. Dave, we got to team up and find <laughs> the places to get all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. You got homework. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some good, good spots throughout the Chicagoland area where you can get. Oh, Totally. Good, a good one that's not like steak and shake or you know, <laughs> McDonald's or Dairy Queen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah I'm not gonna. I don't want to. I'm sure there's a good local place turning out some good milkshakes somewhere. I was I was trying to find. I like I just googled like where they might be in Atlanta, but the first actual article that came up was about Margie's Candies in Chicago. Um, I've never heard of that, but maybe you guys have. They said it's on Agatha Mueller and 14th East. So there's at least uh. one, maybe for you guys they don't apparently they don't make malts very much in atlanta so it's like stick and shake it they won't they'll 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 melt like immediately (laughs) (laughs) no we like we like our air conditioning down here okay it's always on blast i literally am being a baby about the weather we have here like i've been wearing my hair in a bun all day because it's so hot and which is ridiculous i know but it's like it's not even (laughs) as hot as it is down there no and it's not as sticky grossness all right so i i mean i'll the only thing we're main thing i'm getting from this podcast is just places to go eat i (laughs) I gotta get i still gotta get some grits actually i saw instant grits at the grocery store and like that's not gonna end well (laughs) that doesn't count (laughs) no no, but they did have like 
non-instant grits like Quaker style or Quaker brand. So uh haven't didn't buy them though. Didn't it was it was Quaker brand, like it was Quaker on it. I'm gonna yeah, Photoshop yeah, it was not I'm, and so it wasn't instant grit, so it might have been a little bit better, but I'm gonna Photoshop that with like Andrew Shaw on it. <laughs> instant <be> grit. <laughs> I you might want to put Brandon Hagel on there. It might be a little bit more accurate. I I don't quite no, I, I feel like like I use grit when it's like you're taking runs at people. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel you know like, what? that's that's a fair comparison. I think Shaw's more grit. Hagel's just more. He's fast, man. He beats everybody to yeah. the puck. Just he hustles. Just Brandon Hagel Mendoza. How many how many games has Shaw been missing now? Most of them. Yeah, I forget he's on the team at times until they show him on the commercial saying you're watching NBC Chicago or whatever. So oh bad. I was so excited when he came back when they like reacquired him and I was like, no, it could be great. And then immediately it was like, Oh, it's not. He hasn't played since February 9th. Played 14 games this season. Would not expect him to be playing anymore. Well, I think we can at least all agree that Brandon Hagel's living up somewhat to the number 36, not quite there yet, but he's, he's wearing 38. Him. Yeah. Oh, Highmore's 36. You're right. Well, he sucks. <laughs> he's living Sorry. up to the standard set by James Black. Jersey guy messed up the uh oh actually Cristobal Huey wore 38, didn't he? Who? Cristobal Huey. He did. So did he was uh, like the highest paid Wilson. hawk at that time when he was on the team. Okay. The Sorry, French I'm blind. I can't it's it's all right, man. Hey, 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 we all we all make mistakes. Uh this is why I complain about Dallas's neon jerseys where I can't see the numbers. My eyes are terrible, apparently. According to hockey reference, Brian Bickle wore 38 at one point. Maybe like for a call up, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was your uh, your Brian Bickle mention here on the Second City Hockey Podcast. Uh, I, I well, I think we have once again officially gone well off the rails. So, uh, yes, any sir. final thoughts? Um, keep keep playing Kuroshev and Kubalik together. There you go, and 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 maybe play them like more than fourth line minutes. Yeah, and when you have a three zero lead in the third, let's uh, keep trying to score. Yeah, don't turtle. It's okay to keep playing. You were doing so well. Just keep doing that instead. I want a five spot. When when the coach is Joe Quinville, you can turtle. When it's Jeremy Colleton, uh, he doesn't know how to turtle. So When you do it for the last 10 minutes maybe of a period, but ideally only the last five or six, that's fine. But don't do it, it for like 18. Entire <laughs> period, yeah. I just, yeah, I'm trying to think like the only win I can think of this season that was like genuinely comfortable was the Detroit one. And on the last day of February, and even that one was like, they didn't really start pulling away until the third period. But like, just we like to see a game where they get like, you know, get one or two goal lead early on and just kind of just, just put it into third gear and just cruise it on home from there. That Detroit one, they only scored that many goals because Thomas Grice is terrible. That's true. That game was, it was like, it, it was comically bad by the end of it. If I, Grice like, just looked like it looked like it looked like a shitty beer league game where the goalie was uh, just getting hung out to dry and his teammates didn't care anymore. So the Hawks yeah, like they got out shot and they we won seven to two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah, I'm like, I'm done. I can't I can't handle this anymore. We all, we all, Jeremy, we all, Jeremy, a guy has a team has won nine zero this year in the NHL. You're not going to embarrass a team. I've also watched my uh, Premier League soccer team lose that way three times now. But that's a different podcast. Um, so yeah, I, I think those are all the final thoughts. So yep. thank you guys for hanging out this evening. 
Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode. Uh, you can find all our stuff at secondcityhockey.com. I am on Twitter at underscore Dave Melton. Mill is at Mill182. Shepard is at Shepard Price. And Betsy is also not on Twitter, so you can't find her there. But you can find all her stuff at secondcityhockey.com or in her our uh, elaborate comment section where her stuff is probably in green because it gets wrecked by the community. Um, you can also uh, find our podcast wherever it is you get your podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, follow, refollow, unfollow, follow again, then unfollow again, then refollow again. And then leave us like a bunch of five-star reviews. Cause that'd be great. Um, and then uh, secondcityhockey.com again is where you can find all our stuff. And I think that's going to do it for this year episode of Musings on Madison. For Mill, for Shepard, for Betsy, I'm Dave. Thank you again so much for listening. And as always, go home.